welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. All righty, friends, if you want to find your seats, that would be great. <clears throat> so if you are new to Awaken, uh, we are, every year we have done uh, what we call the Advent Art Series. And so during Advent, the four Sundays of Advent and Christmas Eve, we invite artists and writers at Awaken to create uh, and to write around the themes of Advent, uh, around anticipation and hope and desire. Uh, and so I want to invite my good friend Stephanie and Brianna. They're going to come and share about the pieces that they have created. So if you would please welcome them. Thank you. Okay, my name is Stephanie, and I am the artist who painted the painting behind me. Um, in the invitation to create an artwork with the, the theme of Advent and longing and desire and waiting for the unknown, my mind went straight to an experience I had this summer. I am a teacher, so I have summers free to do what I want, whether I work a second job or be able to travel. And I was able to take a workshop in Colorado for art teachers. It was a ceramics workshop. And just spending time out in nature, it was a fantastic, life-changing, formidable experience for me. And being out in nature is something um, that is so dear to me. It's where I see God. It's where God meets me. I feel in his presence in nature. It's just, it's wonderful. This piece is actually um, a reflection of that experience and time up on the North Shore in the, spending a lot of time on the shore. This is a place that I go sit on those rocks and just look out at the water. It's, I, I go up there often, it's a friend's cabin and the experience and experiences I have up there are also very life-changing for me. It's a time when I can just spend with God resting and in his presence and Things going on in my life this summer, it seemed like a lot of things were going on and questions and what's next and not knowing. And I felt God saying, um, even back in the spring, expect great things when I got this opportunity to go to Colorado. And then in that experience for the upcoming school year, expect great things. And this expectancy in something that I, I don't know what's to come, but it gives me such great hope and a peace that God's got this, and I don't need to sit and worry because that does nothing. Um, so this piece reflects those feelings inside of me and is a very personal place where I've gone. And again, being outside in nature, it's just as this healing, um, it's very healing for me. So that is my painting for this Advent series. Hi. I'm Brianna, and the poem I'm going to be reading for you today is called Descending Theology, The Shepherds, and the title is sort of inspired by a series of poems by Mary Carr. She also starts her poems with the words Descending Theology, um, and she focuses on <clears throat> the incarnation of Jesus and sort of the idea of his humanity, and so she wonders about what he was thinking and feeling, or might have been thinking and feeling. Um, and this year, while I was thinking about Advent, I found myself wondering what some of the other characters um, might have been thinking or feeling. And as I was reading through their stories, I was really struck by 
how many of them had times of when they were waiting and when God um, must have seemed distant or silent. And, you know, feelings like that can be really lonely and isolating. So I found it sort of oddly comforting to look back at all of these other people who had um, also had times when maybe they couldn't see God at work or where it seemed like he wasn't there. Um, but they also got through it, and so I find that encouraging. Descending theology, the shepherds. What was it like to return to a world without angels, seeing it suddenly as lack? After they placed rough hands on the holy, did they spend the rest of their short lives looking for lost things? A loose thread, the last sheep, a dropped coin? Or did they assume this time was like all the others, a flash of fire, then decades of silence, the part of the sky where their star was hanging over them like a blank ache. Thank you very much, ladies. Our, uh, if you haven't had a chance in the back in the gallery, the rest of uh, the Advent artists' uh, work is back there along with the writing, so I'd encourage you to check those out. Um, again, my name is Mike. I'm so glad you're here. I want to invite you to find your Bibles if you have one. If you don't, there are black Bibles in the pews in front of you. Um, little note, the we got some new chairs, friends. We got some new chairs. And I just want to say this out loud. I say, um, it might, it's a little ironic where we found these chairs or who, who sold them to us. It's such a steal of a deal um, based on some of my aspirations as a pastor vocationally and kind of where I see myself. But these chairs came from River Valley, the church down, uh, down south. They've got like... Lots of these chairs, and they sold them to us for $5 a chair. These are like $100 chairs. So thank you to River Valley. Thank you to River Valley. If you need to take a nap, these are really, really, I've heard they're great for that kind of thing. So uh, thank you for, for those. Um, th these are, well, well, we'll see. We'll see. Some people have asked me, like, are the tables gone? I'm like, well, just for the Christmas season, we need a few more seats in here, so we'll don't everybody freak out yet. We'll figure that out, okay? You can send your complaints to the board chair. His name's Andy Lehner. Andy at awakencommunity.com. <laughs> um, all right, gang. So I'm a pastor. I used to be a youth pastor before I was a youth pastor. Uh, most youth pastors make their way to student ministry vicariously or through uh, camp counselors, right? Nine out of ten youth pastors had some kind of stay as a camp counselor. And uh, I, was, I was, of course, uh, in that category as well. So I want you to imagine this scenario with me, if, if you can. Uh, Adam, Brad, and Charlie are camp counselors at a little camp in Colorado called Idrahaji. Those are the first two letters of each of the words, I'd rather have Jesus. Of course. Youth pastors, right? Acronyms. I'd rather have Jesus. I'd Raji. So these three knuckleheads are uh, their camp counselors. They had a great summer at camp. Lots of things happened. Uh, you know, Friday night at camp, it's always a big deal. The cross, the, you know, putting things on the cross. I mean, everything you'd imagine camp to be, okay? Well, uh, the next summer, they're trying to decide whether or not to go back to camp. And Andy and Brad, are, they're in. They're all in. But Charlie, he's got some, he's not sure. He's got some things, he's, some other things he's working on, potential things, this, that, or the other. Lots of hemming and hawing. And at, after a long, long process of discernment, he decides not to go back to camp. And Andy and Brad are having this conversation about their friend Charlie. And they're like, Brad says, dude, where's Charlie? Is he coming back? And Andy's like, oh, you didn't hear? 
Brad, Charlie had to make some really tough decisions, and he just decided that at the end of the day, he really felt like he needed to go this direction, which means he's not coming back to camp this year. And Brad says, geez, I hope he made the right decision, because he might miss God if he did, or if he didn't. It's like, whoa, man, might miss God. I've missed a lot of things in my day. I've missed tea times. I've missed uh, hockey practices. I've missed appointments. I've missed many of you at coffee shops where I was supposed to be and you were there. Uh, I can testify, many people would say. I've missed a lot of things in my day, but to miss God, I mean, that would be a huge deal, right? And ironically, in Scripture, um, we find that there are lots of people in the Bible who seem to miss out on what God is up to in this story. And it's like right underneath their noses, but they miss it. And the, the cast of characters who do see it, right? Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, the angels, unlikely characters. The angels got a little bit of advanced warning, but the rest of them, I mean, unlikely characters to see it for what it is. What would it be like? I mean, can you imagine missing Christmas in our day and age? You'd have to be an idiot to miss Christmas. You'd have to be like living in a hole on the backside of Nebraska to miss Christmas. But I think that it's possible for you to maybe miss what God's up to in the midst of Christmas. I think that's possible. So what I want to talk about this morning is the end of this series, the Advent Conspiracy. We've talked about spending less so that we could give more, so we could love all and worship fully. What does it mean to worship fully in the midst of this season? My hope and prayer for us as we uh, wrap this series up is that in some way, shape, and form, we would be able to enter into and receive what God might have for us in this season. And I want to look at a story that really never gets old. It's about a person who many people revere and honor, rightly so, this woman named Mary. And so if you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 1. I'll invite you to stand as we read God's word. And we're going to start in verse 35. We'll skip a section and then we'll head down to what's known as Mary's song. So verse 35 reads this way. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The whole, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. One translation says, May it be unto me just as you say. Verse 46, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remember, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Pray with me. God, this morning, uh, as we come into this space and we gather, we do so with all kinds of things in our hearts. And so even on a day when it's so very cold outside, I pray that the warmth of community would warm our hearts that uh, this story 
a story of all stories would find its way into our hearts, wherever they may be, filled with joy or with sadness or brokenness. God, I pray that you would be Emmanuel, the one who's with us, for us today. Amen. You may be seated. Mary is such a fascinating character. And whatever you think about Mary, wherever you've come from, whether it be Protestant or Catholic, and there's certainly been lots uh, written and talked about and debated over this person over the years, Mary is just an unbelievable story. Here's a woman, a, a young, unwed, teenage mother, who finds out that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Right? I mean, I've given a lot of excuses in my day, but can you imagine that one? You're like, Mom, listen, it's the Holy Spirit. And she's like, girl, I have heard that excuse so many times, I don't even know. The Holy Spirit. Come on. She's unwed. She's pregnant. Scandal, right? Scandal. And yet Mary... Somehow, in the midst of this situation, responds, be it unto me just as you say. Mary, I would suggest to you, worships fully. To worship, I would say, this is my own paraphrase of the word worship, worship technically, according to dictionary.com, to honor or reverence as a divine being or supernatural power, to regard with great or extravagant respect, honor or devotion. I would say to worship something is to ascribe ultimate worth to it. Mary responds, my soul magnifies, my soul glorifies the Lord. In the midst of this circumstance, somehow she figures out a way to engage in this story and worship fully. And I want to ask the question, what does she know that allows her to worship fully? What does she have access to or what can we learn for those of us who come here this morning who aren't all put together? Hi, my name's Micah, and I'm not put together. I think that's probably all of us. So what can we learn from Mary? I think that there are some hints in this song that Luke records in his gospel about how Mary is able to access and enter into this story amidst her situation. So first and foremost, I would say that Mary, look at, if you would look at verse 47, it says, My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Some of your texts might say that he has looked upon. I want to suggest that Mary knows deep in her bones that the God of the universe sees her. That she is not overlooked, she has not been forgotten, that she is not mistaken, but that God, the very God of the universe, the God who created the heavens and the earth, sees her. I don't know if you've ever been around a child. I can remember when some of my kids used to do this. There was a staff person uh, whose daughter, Lael, used to come up to me and grab on my pant leg like this. Have you ever had a kid do that? And they just keep pulling your... And if you're not wearing a belt, this gets awkward very quickly. All right, for those of you who have no hips, like myself, um, my mom always used to say, you got no butt, son. Your pants just fall right off your body. You need a belt to cinch that thing around there. Pull on your leg, and you know, finally you look down, and she'd just say, Hi. Your kids ever do that? Or, dad, 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 dad. Yes. Hello. (laughs) Nothing else, just hi. Right? Like as if to say, see me. 
There's something in the human heart that longs to be seen. There's something in us that desires to be known. And when someone sees you, really sees you for who you are, it's, it's like the lights open, the lights get turned on. And when someone misses you, when you're overlooked, if you've ever had that kind of an experience, how deeply it cuts to the core of who you are, the, one of the deepest longings in the human heart is to be seen, to be noticed, to be found. We had some friends who posted on Facebook one day that they were somewhere, and we were actually on our way to try to find them. We were, we were going to do a pop-in. We've, I've talked about pop-ins. We were going to pop in on our friends. And we, so we looked on Facebook, and they said, oh, we're here. So we actually went to the beach where they said they were, and we just like wandered up, and we're like, hey, the Worthams are here. Pop in. And the, Becky, she just like, to this day, she's like, you found us. Like, I can't believe you found us. Like, how cool it was to be found. Like, someone was looking for us. Some of us don't want to be found. <laughs> That's another sermon for another day. But we found them, and they, and they felt like someone was pursuing them. There's this book called The Heartbreaking Work of Staggering Genius. It's written by a guy who has been involved in TV. And uh, this main character writes into MTV, the real world, and this is what he says. He says, Dear producer, something is radiating deep within me, and it must be transmitted or I will implode and the world will suffer a great loss unaware. Epic are the proportions of my soul, yet without a scope, who cares who am I? This is why I must be one of the inhabitants of MTV's real world. Only there, burning brightly into a million dazzled eyes, will my as yet uncontoured self assume the beauteous forms that are not just its own, but for an entire niche market. I am a Kurt Cameron, Kurt Cobain figure, roguishly quirky, dandified but down-to-earth, kooky but comprehensible, denizen of the growing penumbra, there's a sentence, between the alternative and mainstream culture, angsty prophet of the already bygone apocalypse, yet upbeat, stylish, and sexy. Oh my, MTV, take me, make me, wake me from my formless slumber and place me in the dreamy real world of target marketing. <laughs> wow, I mean, woo. Uh, that's funny, we laugh at that, but it's kind of like alarming, right? Like, I must be seen to matter. And can I just talk about the selfie for a moment? Like, what is it about us like we want to be seen? Ten years ago, there was no such thing as a selfie. I'm about to take a crack at the selfie. Now, of course, you can critique that there are good things that come from the selfie. Okay, fine. But seriously, 10 years ago, there was no such thing as a selfie. Now there's like billion-dollar industries with these sticks, a selfie stick, which, friends, if you're in a group setting and you need somebody to take a picture of the group and there's nobody there, fine. The selfie stick serves a purpose. But I would argue that the selfie is like the ultimate statement of Western individualization. This is a... Here, 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 I don't even need you to take a picture of me. I just need myself to take a picture of myself. Do you guys remember narcissists? They're like, this is not an old story, right? My kids are like trying to take selfies, and I'm like, as God is my witness, as long as I'm the parent in this house, there will be no selfies. Like, at least ask somebody else to take your picture. <laughs> They're still doing it. They don't listen to me, you know? They don't even care. They're like, Dad, it's not that big of a deal. It's just a picture. I'm like, this is an existential matter of epic proportion, you guys. This is big. No selfies. 
But what motivates, my wife and I were on a plane one time, and this gal sitting right next to us, she's wearing a hood. It was winter with like fur all around it. So, I mean, it was a nice jacket, right? But she takes about, I'm not even kidding you, for an hour, she takes like 100 pictures of herself on her cell phone. Some with the hood on, some with the sunglasses on, some with the light from this way, some with the light from that way. It was absolutely comical. I wanted to just stop and say, did you get it? Like, did you get the one you were looking for? And then we send them to who? The people who already know us. It's just a mad, it's a mad, I, I don't even understand it. But what motivates a person to take that many selfies? See me? I mean, kids, they get it, right? They just say, see me, right? Dad, 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 pull on your pants. Why? Because we long to be seen and known to not be overlooked. And I want to just stop this morning. If you hear nothing else, the God of Christmas, the God of this story, the God of the scriptures is one who screams from the mountains, I see you. I see you. I see you. And maybe you're here this morning and you think, that might be true, but I don't feel like it. And I'm not ex- I don't experience that as real. And that's an honest, that's an honest place to be. And we've been there before. And so maybe even for someone who can't feel that or can't experience that is real, I I, want to say that I affirm that is true and we and I can hold it for you in our doubt. And when I can't experience it and when I don't experience it is real, I hope that you can hold it for me and with me. Sometimes we know something is true but it doesn't feel like it. We know, I know that eating vegetables is good for me, but I want a hundred donuts. And there are people who will testify. They'll line up and say, if you eat a hundred donuts, dude, it's not going to be good for you. But if you eat things that are good for you, like broccoli, cauliflower. Do you say cauliflower or cauliflower? Man, y'all are are silly. Man, it's cauliflower. These things are good for you. We know it's true, but we don't want to eat them. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I, 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 wanna, I think sometimes in church and religion, that honest doubt or honest skeptical question gets glossed over and just like, well, it's true, so just believe it. And I just want to say, like, that's real in the room and that's okay too. That sometimes it doesn't feel like God sees me. But I think if you line up the scriptures and you line up people who have walked faithfully with Jesus, they'll say, God is the one who sees you. And Mary, I think, sees it. She gets it. She says, and gang, the crazy part is, in her lowly state, in her humiliation, it's not because she has it all together. It's not because she has 5,000 Facebook friends. It's not because she has nice lipstick or a nice dress on. It's in her, in her absolute depravity. It's the, God, she says, God sees me here. In my brokenness, in my, I have no idea what's going on here. God sees me here. Hagar, the first woman in scriptures to go out into the desert, Genesis 16, and she says, you are the God who sees me. She's run to the desert because she has nothing to live for. And it's in that moment that God says, I see you. I see you. To worship fully, I think we have to get there first. Not only that, but Mary says, Mary recognizes that this story is bigger than herself. Look at verse 49 and 50. For the mighty one has done great things for me. His holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. 
Mary, somehow, as an unwed teenage girl, gets that this story is bigger than she is. That this story is, she's being swept up in something that's bigger than she is. Gang, I went to the Grand Canyon for the first time this last summer. I'm 39 years old. I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but now I have. Hallelujah. We took a road trip of epic proportion from Minnesota all the way to California. Last summer, the Withams went to D.C. In, for spring break, and we went to California in the summer. We saw the entire United States from east to west. It was amazing. So much fun. We went from, uh, we did the Black Hills, then we went to the Yellowstone, then we went down to the Grand Canyon, over to California. And I had never been to the Grand Canyon. The pictures are lovely, they're beautiful, they're wonderful, but they are, they don't even hold a candle to it. Can I get an amen to those of you who have been there? I remember standing there, I walk up to the rim of the Grand Canyon, and I stand there, and I am just floored. I am overwhelmed. And I just kept thinking, who does this? My wife and kids got so sick and tired of me, like saying, you guys look around you. Turn off your cell phones. Turn off your iPads. Do you see this? It's amazing. Yes, dad, we see it. I'm like, who does this? Who makes this? And I just, I'm overwhelmed. Like tears coming down my face. I'm standing there with these people. I don't know who these people are. They've come from all over the world. One big sea of humanity to stand on this rim and to say, I am so small, and this world is so big, this place, this God that would do this, my, oh my, the story is bigger. I occupy a pretty important space in the cosmos, you guys. <laughs> That's a joke. Wake up 11 o'clock. You occupy a really important space in the cosmos. I mean, we are just flecks in this story. And yet, God says, you, do you want to come out and play? Hey, do you want to be a part of a bigger story? And so if you've come here this morning, and maybe you feel like a cog in the machine, maybe you feel like, You've been missed or overlooked. I want to suggest the possibility that Christmas is a story that says it's bigger. It's bigger. And Mary gets it from generation to generation. She's an important character in this story. And yet she says it's bigger. Everybody will know God because of this moment. To worship fully, I think you have to get to the place where you begin to realize that it's bigger than you. And it's in that moment exactly, it's in that moment exactly when you start to realize this thing's bigger than you, that you begin to understand the profound grace and nature of this invite that God says, partner with me. I think Mary also understands, which is why she can worship fully, that the mighty will fall, the lowly will be raised up, and the hungry will be fed. She says in verses 51 to 53, basically, God scatters those whose hearts are proud. God brings down the rulers from their thrones and lifts up the humble. God feeds the hungry with good things, and the rich are sent away. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> we live in a culture where that's not, that's not what we're after, right? Right? And, and this season sort of magnifies the whole thing. 
And it's not that power and resource are the enemy. They're not inherently sinful. But I think the scriptures would argue that when they get pointed in the wrong direction, they can do a lot of damage. Which is why those who are proud and arrogant with resource and power will be brought low and those who are humble and broken will be lifted up. Mighty Ducks, do you remember that story? And one of my life's regrets. I was a hockey player. I was in theater. I was the doctor in The Doctor in Spite of Himself in seventh grade. And I never auditioned for Mighty Ducks. I could have been kicking it with Emilio Estevez and I didn't do it. But the Mighty Ducks, like, why do we love that story? The Mighty Ducks, uh, Rudy, remember the Titans, Les Mis, even Keanu Reeves, the replacements, you know? Like, why do we love the story when the humble and the broken get lifted up and those who are in power get smashed down? Theaters erupt when Rudy gets sent out onto the field to, like, play one down for Notre Dame, and everyone's like, yeah, Rudy, Rudy! Why? I think we recognize in those stories when the humble and the broken are lifted up that there is something true about the nature of the universe and about the nature of God's heart. And it just rings like a tuning fork in our souls. And we say, yes, that's true. Why? Because it's true of God. The humble and the proud and the arrogant and the powerful and the resource do not have the last word, friends. No, the lowly and the broken, and the humble, and the meek are lifted up, resurrected, like the Jesus of this story. That's the hope of Christmas. That's the hope of this. That's why Mary can say, be it unto me just as you say. So I wonder, today, as you come here, what it would mean for you to worship Fully, to ascribe ultimate worth, to say yes to this story wherever you find yourself. Maybe you've come here with joy in your heart, and that's not difficult, and you say, yes, this is true, Micah, I'm in with my life. And I would invite you to consider that this is the story that's true. All the greatest stories that humanity has ever written, have you ever noticed that they sort of sound the same? And they all have similar elements, and they're all like taking cues from another story. Come on, people. This Advent, as we await the birth of this baby, which reminds us of this story that we see so clearly in Mary, that it's God who sees us and invites us into a story that's bigger than ourselves. Would you worship fully? Would you get your life involved in that story in some way, shape, or form? Even if you can't say, you know what, Micah, I say yes to Jesus today. Would you take one step? Would you consider taking one step to get your life involved in that kind of a story? Where you would say, you know what, I, I, can, I, can, I can do that. The, the divine, the one who created the heavens and the earth, recognizes that I'm here. I can, okay, I'll make that step of faith. I want my life to be involved in a bigger story. Let's figure out how that, let's, let's walk it out with your lives. Not just mentally, not just saying, yep, I believe that, Micah, but with your very lives, like your very resources, your, the, the, the essence of who you are and what you're about. Get it involved in this story. While I don't think it's possible for you to miss Christmas, I think you would have to be an idiot to miss Christmas in our culture. But I think you'd just have to be distracted or asleep to miss what God's doing. So wake up.
Wake up. Wake up. Pray with me if you would. God, as we gather in this place today, as we take a moment of silence to hear your voice, to experience your presence, I pray that you might invite us, wherever you find us, towards your heart. That we would experience the truth that you see us. And that wherever we find, wherever we're found, you are inviting us into a bigger story. That you are the God who takes things that are broken and makes beautiful things out of them. You're the God who brings beauty from ashes. So God, may it be true for us today. Holy Spirit, here we are. Speak to us. It's been a tough week for some of our folks, and um, they don't understand, and there's so many questions, it's hard to sing songs like this, um, but I think if, if not now, then when, that we would pray God. So there was a guy named Moses who had lots of questions, and God said, tell him this. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may God lift up his countenance to you and your face. Grace and peace, my friends. www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.